0: You are listening to the Fresh Hell Podcast. Fresh Hell contains stories of a disturbing and often graphic nature and is intended for a mature audience. Please don't let your kids listen to this, or they might turn out like us.
1: Need a little humor with your murder? Who doesn't, right? Join us, Dustin, Rex, and Josh on Evil Transgression. Evil Transgression is a true crime comedy podcast that covers lesser known cases that haven't been talked about a million times over. From the most dangerous inmate to the worst friends and even death by firing squad. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbeam, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Hi, I'm Johanna from Austria. And I'm Annie
0: in the U.S., and you just heard the promo for Evil Transgression. It's a podcast that covers lesser known, but still very interesting cases. Their episodes are about 30 minutes long, so it's perfect for shorter commutes. Go check them out if it sounds like something you'll enjoy.
1: Yes, uh, welcome to our first-time listeners, and welcome back to our regulars. This is your favorite international true crime podcast. Hopefully so. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. We cover murder, mystery and the macabre from all over the world and from different eras. And of course, our regulars know all of this
0: already. Yeah, that's who we are. That's what we do. And we have a couple of new patrons who we definitely need to give a shout out to. Hello to Claudia Gomez. Hi to Suzanne Kerrigan. I feel like, um, did you have the show? You probably didn't, but um, Romper Room. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about when I say Romper Room? No. It was like one of my favorites. Our listeners will know what I mean. It was like my favorite children's program at one point. I want to say it was on around the time of Captain Kangaroo and at the end she'd take out her magic mirror and say hi to different people and obviously she just like her showrunners just had given her a list of names but it was like I can see Matthew and then one day I can see Anne <laughs> and you'd be so fucking excited because oh my god the magic mirror found you and now that's what I feel like when I'm like hey Melissa Morgan <laughs>
1: hey Melissa
0: <laughs> the magic hi, mirror Melissa. sees you <laughs> I feel like the end of uh, Romper Room All right. Leslie Slaney. That's a cool name. Christy Dale. Thank you very much. Tara or Tara Duran. Hi. And Kate Mutch. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, guys. See You all seriously rock.
0: Oh, yeah. We have the best listeners. So if you're a regular and you listened to last year's Halloween episode, then you already know what this episode will be like. That was supposed to be sort of a one-off, but we actually got a lot of requests to make it an annual thing. So, yay. We asked for your creepy stories. Good creepy, sad creepy, creepy creepy. We want to hear all about it. And you didn't disappoint. You sent us some amazing stories, and we can't wait to read them to you. But first, Johanna... I have to ask. So last year, I know you were very much a skeptic, like a really huge skeptic. And I think Mm. this has changed a little bit for you, right? I remember you kind of hinting at that during the Austrian ghost episode.
1: Uh, yes, it definitely did change. And I do have a very crazy story for you at the end. But first, let's hear our listener stories, right? Yeah, let's. All
0: right. <clears throat> I am not going to cry. All right. So our first message is from Colleen. And she wrote, Dearest Annie and Johanna, this is a good old Irish ghost story. And it never fails to give me goosebumps and make me a little teary. My paternal grandmother was an amazing woman. She grew up in extreme poverty in Ireland and lost her father early. She married and raised three children after emigrating to St. Louis, Missouri. My dad is a single parent when her husband died suddenly when my dad was seven. Although her husband, my grandfather, was a police sergeant who rode a police-issued motorcycle and died as a result of a blood clot in his leg, she wasn't able to receive his pension because he wasn't technically, quote, working on the job when he died in his sleep. In his early 40s. Ugh, it's awful. She fought for spouses to receive police pensions in the future, even though she couldn't. In the meantime, the police department gave her a job as the first woman to work in St. Louis's holdover, women's jail. Everyone loved her, and she never knew a stranger. As you'll see, she passed when I was 11, and I still dearly miss her. She was an inspiration and most loving and badass grandmother that you can imagine. When I think of Irish charm, I think of her. I love it. I was about 10 years old when my dad got an unnerving call from my uncle with the news, Mom thinks she saw Dad. As he read, he had been dead for something like 30 years. My dad asked, Do you really think she saw him? My uncle, who was also a police officer, replied, I believe she believes she did, yeah. Yeah. She had called my uncle to come over after this incident, and when he arrived at dawn, he lived close by in the neighborhood, she was sitting on the front porch of the family home, pale and shaking. As you may have sensed from my intro, she was not easily shaken whatsoever, so that's important context for our story. She went on to tell my uncle that she woke up to her late husband's voice clearly calling her name Tilly. She could hear him from the kitchen calling, Wake up, Tilly! We have to go! We're going to be late! She said without thinking, she said, Okay, Joe, hold on, and sat up in bed and started to put on her house coat and slippers, which were next to her bed. She said she could hear him continue to call her, telling her to hurry, as he opened their kitchen door and walked into the backyard. She said she was still half asleep and clearly not thinking. As she walked into the kitchen, the back door was open and she could see him walking into the backyard and turning into the alleyway, still calling her, Tilly, hurry, we're gonna be late. She said it was foggy out as the sun was rising and she could barely see him walking away in the mist. My dad had told me that once his father died, sitting at their family kitchen table without him was too painful, so my grandmother had replaced it with a trendy 1950-1960s Formica table, which I still remember. My dad said he hated it, that it always made him realize things would never be the same. My grandmother said she looked down and saw the table in the kitchen and all of a sudden it hit her. Holy shit, what is happening? My husband is dead. She said she could barely hear him at this point. His voice was far away, calling from the alleyway, telling her to hurry because they had to go. She said she started crying and shaking and didn't know what to do as she stood frozen in the kitchen with the door open, and then he was gone. That's when she called her son, my uncle, to come over and sat on the front porch in her robe. When she died just a year later, they found her half lying on the bed with her feet on the floor in the process of putting on her robe and slippers. It was a few days after she had celebrated my 11th birthday with me, happy and with no apparent health issues. I'd like to think she heard her handsome late husband calling out for her again, and this time she decided to follow him. Ooh, that story gets me in the feels every time. I should add that this isn't the first ghost-related story about my grandpa. For a time, that same uncle and his family lived in the flat upstairs from my grandmother, where I also lived with my parents the first three years of my life and still have wonderful memories of playing with my grandmother. My aunt told me that sometimes when she was up in the middle of the night with one of the babies, she could smell the cigars that he used to smoke. She found it comforting and was convinced that he was watching over their young family. Love you guys. Your are Hellion, Colleen. Oh, okay, so what do we think about this one? Are you crying?
1: <laughs> I'm crying.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah
1: Uh, sorry no
0: it's okay well listen I was
1: crying the first time I read it then I sent it to you I love the story and um yeah This was a huge topic for me when my dad died. Uh, He died unexpectedly and he was found the next day by his girlfriend, so they were not living together. Annie, I'm I'm sure you remember that I was crying a lot because I was so scared that he died all alone and that nobody came to pick him up because it, it was so unexpected, right? But everybody, including you, Annie, they assured me that he was not alone and that his parents, so my grandparents, they were there waiting for him. And he did look peaceful So I'm certain that he was not scared. And hearing this sweet story from Colleen, it's just very reassuring for me. Mm -hmm. I'm certain that you don't have to cross over alone and that loved ones will be there waiting for you. Absolutely.
0: Oh, yeah. I have no question about (sighs) that. You know my story last year about April. That really convinced me, but I knew it beforehand. That was just the most... That was the most, um... I don't know what to say. Proof is the wrong word, because obviously I don't have any proof, but I have my personal proof. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, for me personally, that was like, wow. But yeah, I'm very, very sure that your dad had plenty of people waiting for him, probably including my mother, Um Yeah, she wanted to try all the Austrian food, but it was really (laughs) similar. With I'm not joking, whatever weird kind of food and drink you got there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she she my mom, you know, she was the same at the end. She'd been sick for a really long time, but the last week or two, she'd have these really long conversations with my aunt, her sister who had passed away five years before, and you know, she'd be saying she'd like sit on the couch and then she'd say, "Oh sure," and she'd take the little blanket off her lap and shake it out and then put it back on her lap and like tuck it around the cushion next to her where there was nobody there. Like she was tucking, like sharing her blanket, you know, and have these long conversations. And we all felt like, you know, maybe that is, I think maybe she's seeing my aunt because it was the same thing when my aunt was dying. She would have the same thing with her aunts. I I really do think that there is someone to meet you. And I think sometimes like if it's a longer, more prolonged situation, like with my mom, I think probably they're around more often, which is why you get so much of the hearing and the hallucinating. And like in this case, you know, I'm sure your grandmother, my guess again, would be like maybe an iffy heart. So grandpa was around every now and then just in case, but it wasn't her time yet. But yeah, Johanna, I'm positive that when your dad's time came, I don't think time works the same way it does here. It's not like you can be yeah, late. I think so too. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that was a beautiful story. All right, what do we have next? Are you okay to read? Thank you, Colleen. Yeah, Colleen, that was beautiful. Really. Really. Thank you.
1: All right, what do we have next? So our next story was sent to us by Jennifer. Hi, Johanna and Annie. I have a couple of spooky stories to share with you. Before I get started, I want to clarify that I would class myself as having a healthy skepticism. I always try to find a logical explanation for anything strange that happens, and the following two events that happened to me directly have defied my efforts, and I have to say they had a pretty big impact on me. The third event didn't happen to me directly, but I have no reason to suspect it didn't take place as described and as you'll see it shook me just as much as the others. The first event took place when I was about 8 or 9 years old. At that time we lived in a semi-detached house at the end of a row of houses in a very quiet rural area. We were the last house on the road, as such it was rare for anyone to walk past our house. The living room looked out onto the road over the garden, which had a wall with a gate in it, at the farthest corner. One day my brother and I were watching TV when I quite clearly saw a pale, indistinct figure walking along the other side of the wall, then in through the gate and start down the path. Note this was the mid-80s, so the window had a lace curtain hanging over it, thus everyone appeared indistinct through it. I jumped up to tell my mom that someone was coming, then ran back into the living room and sat down again in time to see the figure pass the window. By this time, mum was standing in the hallway by the door, waiting politely for the visitor to knock before she opened it. She waited, but no knock came, so she opened the door. There was no one there, and none of us had seen the visitor leaving. That's creepy. <laughs> The second event happened in the same house when I was maybe a year or two older. I was woken up one night by the unmistakable feeling of someone or something sitting on the edge of my bed. I felt both the movement of the mattress as something heavy rested on it and the warmth of a living thing. Hmm. At the time I had a big, pure white cat called Persil after the washing powder that advertised results that were whiter than white. So in my fear I hoped it was him. I summoned up the courage to peek up over the covers, but he wasn't there. It was completely dark, but he could be seen in the dark as a very pale sort of glow, so I was certain it wasn't him. I could still feel the dent and the warmth on the bed though, it even restricted the movement of my legs. I was absolutely terrified. I lay for a moment, close to tears before drawing my legs up, slipping out of the bed, lurching for the closed door and running down the stairs to the living room where my parents were still up. If I heard this story I would suggest either sleep paralysis or a simple dream as an explanation, but I know that neither of these apply. I was obviously able to move and the physical nature of what happened was very real. The third event actually happened to a guest of mine in the next house that my family lived in. By this time I was in my late teens and the house was very old, traditional farmhouse of the kind found all over Scotland. I was already fairly certain that the house was haunted in one way or another, but my skeptical nature was always reassuring and I felt pretty comfortable in it. Until, that is, one night when my boyfriend's older sister, a very level-headed 19-year-old, stayed over. I let her have my bedroom. In the morning, I asked how she'd slept and she said, it was fine until I woke up and saw a young girl standing in the corner of the room looking at me. Mm-mm. I didn't sleep much after that. She wasn't joking. My bedroom never felt the same after that. Thanks to you both for the work you put into the podcast and I hope you're both keeping well. Love, Jennifer.
0: <laughs> no. Nope,
1: nope, 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 nope. (laughs) I don't like that. No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Jennifer. How dare you? (laughs) To your second story. I told you guys last year that I suffered from sleep paralysis basically all of my life. And you are right. That doesn't sound like sleep paralysis at all. I know from experience, it's so hard to fight yourself out of the paralysis part. You would probably not be able to slide out of bed carefully. That's creepy. I honestly don't really want to know what it was that was sitting on your bed. Nope. No. No,
0: that's creepy. I've had this sitting on my bed thing a few times, but I think it was... I think in every instance, I was kind of distraught at the time, and it was was a very comforting situation. But this, this sounds creepy to me. Mm. I don't like that. I also, when I was in school at Flagler College, the room opposite mine dorm room had a real history of people waking up, uh, girls waking up in that room and seeing a a young girl in like turn of the century clothing with like a large Mm. bow in her hair, like standing, just standing at the foot of the bed and...
1: Now, nope. the third story of the girl standing in the bedroom, I hate the thought of child ghosts. Ugh. It's creepy. <laughs> yeah. But it also reminds me of a story my sister only told me recently. And I asked her and she told me I can tell that story. Oh, yes. So after her divorce, uh she was living in this house with her son, who was two or three at the time, and a guy. It was the guy's house. The guy was, uh let's say he was very bad news, yeah? Mm-hmm. According to my mom, there was lots of negative energy in there. So one time, that guy was arrested and had to go to prison for a while, and my sister was alone in the house. And I only learned about all of that long after it had all happened, so that I think she told me about it a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. At the time, they also had no electricity, so it was all bad. Mm -hmm. My sister is in this house with my nephew, and she has candles on. And my nephew, who, as I said, was two or three at the time, tells her that there are people in the house. That's a little bit creepy, but you think, okay, he's just imagining things, right? So she takes her son to her bedroom so that he can sleep with her. And he points at the corner and says that a man is standing there looking at him the whole time. Uh Uh-uh. Well, I'm getting goosebumps. I know, I am too. (laughs) And my sister thinking it's just, you know, he's having a vivid imagination. And she tells him, just close your eyes. Then you don't have to look at that guy. Then you can't see him, right? Yeah. And my nephew answers, but he doesn't close his eyes ever. (sighs) Uh -uh. So she gets creeped out, understandably so, and she decides to take him to sleep in the living room. And she goes there with my nephew and he says, Mom, it doesn't matter where we go, they are always following us. Mm -mm. No. Did she bathe him in holy water? Did
0: she get like a... (laughs) You should get like a squirt bottle and fill it with holy water and then just spritz it, like a solid spritzing. I don't like that. Do you think that your nephew is sensitive? Like, or that thing where kids are kind of sensitive and then they kind of lose it as they get older? It's this
1: kind of age, right? Yeah. Where? Yeah, yeah. Last year I told the story about my brother, it was around the same age. I think that's just... Kids. Yeah. That their filter is not... Yeah, I agree. Working that well. You know what I mean? I, I
0: absolutely do. I think your friend Kubrick there has solidified ghost kids as nightmare fuel. <laughs> Maybe it's Stephen King. <laughs> oh I'm not God. sure who we have to thank for that one or if it predates that, but there's just something about
1: ghost kids that are scarier to me. Yeah. Especially when they sing lullabies or children's songs, but very creepily and slow, right? Yeah, don't do mm. that.
0: Don't. No. No, thank you. It's
1: also this Amityville horror thing. I mean, they also had the ghost kids, right? They, yeah, we need to cover that. Mm. I keep saying I'm going to do it, but it's
0: such a big, it's a big topic. <laughs> I feel like I need a month to work on that one. <laughs> and I don't have the time. <laughs> we should do it
1: next year for Spooktober. Now maybe.
0: Yeah. All right. Our next stories are from Leon. Hi, Leon. He says, Hello, ladies. This is Leon writing in regards to the upcoming ghost episode. And yes, you're welcome to use my name. Naturally, I have a large Victorian Queen Anne in Kokomo, Indiana, which is gorgeous. Love the updates on that house and the work he does on it. When I first moved in 11 years ago, the large oak staircase would creak, as if someone were standing on it. It wasn't the type of pops and creaks that may be customary to temperature or atmospheric changes. After a few months it dawned on me after a bit of wine that a previous couple that lived in the house from nineteen thirty eight to nineteen eighty five had four daughters and a son that were probably fifteen years apart in age. Knowing how protective fathers can be of their daughters, I surmised it might be him waiting for one of his daughters to come home. Naturally, there must have been many evenings he would have done so. There would have been a nice view of Of the wicker porch swing that used to hang out front from the second landing. Perhaps he was spying on them as they sat with boyfriends after a night out. (laughs) I stood on that landing pretending to wait or spy and the stairs made the exact same creaks as I paced there. I talked to him as any drunk person might and assured him that his daughters were home. This wasn't really a big deal until I realized the creaks completely stopped and I haven't heard them since." Ooh, chills. Uh, when we first moved in, my partner saw an apparition of an older man on that landing. So he says, Besides some things being inexplicably tossed around, nothing happened until just a few years ago. I was sitting on my living room sofa with a friend, just discussing whatever, while completely sober, and I noticed a pinpoint of light on the ceiling above a set of pocket doors. It quickly grew, and an opening burned as a film stuck in an old projector would. It opened up... I don't like this at all. It opened up to (laughs) approximately 18 inches or 40 centimeters around. It was not circular and was very organic in shape. The edge that opened was extremely bright. Through the hole, I could see a purple nebula of sorts with thousands of stars in it. The black of deep space could be seen around this nebula, which also had stars. It looked exactly like some Hubble telescope image. The entire incident lasted perhaps three seconds and simply vanished. As always, I love listening to you and always want to chime into your podcasts, especially with the silly conversations. Leon, <laughs> okay, there's more. But first of all, what?
1: Yeah, that story is something I would usually experience if I would have ever taken, if I would have ever been shrooming. Let's say like <laughs> in this. theory Not that I have allegedly. or haven't. Who knows? <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, but that's hypothetically. Like yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. It sounds to me like like I want to know Leon do you get what are they called opt 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 the blah <laughs> blah I'm trying to, I can't say the word I used to get just like optical migraines ocular that's the word mm-hmm. ocular migraines where I would get really weird visual disturbances and I had that for years and years and years no big deal just occasionally but pretty frequently and then it started with the pain and I still get the aura but that kind of reminds me a little bit of some of the stuff I can see during a migraine but that sounds absolutely terrifying
1: but also pretty. It sounds very pretty. It's really pretty. Yeah. All right.
0: And then he says, a follow-up to my last message. My only apparition was at a house in Downsville, Maryland. It belonged to a friend I was dating at the time. It is situated above what is known as Dam 4 on the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal along the Potomac River and was built in 1849. It sounds amazing. By above, I mean that it's high above the river on a steep hill. It's not a big house and is very original in its fittings. Anyway, I was sleeping in a room with no curtains in a brightly moonlit night. My friend was in bed with me, but that's moot. I woke up with a start around 3am, for some reason facing the window. I turned around toward where my friend was sleeping to see three figures standing on the opposite side of the room. It was two adult-sized figures and a young girl. The two adults were of no substance. They appeared as shadows of sorts. I can only describe them as visions of something you would see in bright light that burned in your retina after closing your eyes, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. I know exactly what you mean. They disappeared immediately, but in front of them was a young girl about seven years old. Mm -mm. She was as if living and simply lit by the moonlight, long brown hair tied back behind her head with a large yarn bow of a light color. She wore a nightgown of a dark color with small pinkish flowers on it. The collar was of the same fabric as the gown and had white lace trimming it. Her sleeves were short and puffy and also trimmed with the lace. When I first saw them, the adult figures disappeared immediately. She lasted just long enough to look surprised and looked away to her right very sadly. The entire situation lasted about three seconds. It didn't scare me, but I was very saddened by it. There's no record of any children of her description ever living in that house. Yeah, that's... that is weird. All right. Another weird event happened in Frederick, Maryland, in a 1930s bungalow near Fort Detrick. My friends lived there and always said it was haunted. They would describe everything being in complete disorder every time they came home. Typical poltergeist. I was skeptical, but one night I was visiting with just one of them home, and I kid you not, the toilet seat slammed up and down the entire time I was there. I didn't see it, but it would be up one minute, slam, look again, down, slam, you get the idea. Besides that, every time I would enter the kitchen, all the cabinets would be wide- wide open, even if they were all closed moments before. It was typical for them to deal with this. They didn't stay there very long. Apparently the poltergeist did not like Yoda. They had a small statue that would always be in the fireplace when they returned home. There was also a plate glass mirror that was found on the opposite wall once, broken into small perfect squares. These are my best stories. It's difficult for me to type these out as it seems my phone is dying and can't keep up with my typing. Much love. (laughs) Hugs to you both. Wow,
1: Leon. Yeah. So the first one sounds like a residual haunting, but also it seemed to be aware of Leon telling him that his daughters are at home and that everything is fine. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, but then like if a person actually did something super often in life, it could be really easy to mistake an intelligent mm. haunting for a residual, right? Like I don't know if it was True, yeah. you know, uh Yeah. A regular ritual in your life. Leon, these are so good. The toilet seat ghost might winter in that hotland man- <laughs> <laughs> the toilet seat ghost. Everybody needs a toilet seat ghost, but I think that ghost might winter in that haunted apartment I lived in with Susan St. Augustine because, yeah, it sounds very similar. I'm still not comfortable with the idea that it seems like you might have peeked into an alternate dimension or something. And so I'm just gonna gloss over that unless you want to talk any. Anything more about the uh, terrifying wormhole in Leon's living room? No.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Thank you, Kate. Okay. I don't even want to know what that really was. <laughs> I'm it, That one really scares me.
0: I don't know. That one I find very creepy.
1: Mm. Okay, so our next message is from Kate. Hello Annie, Johanna and dogs. Hi. I have a story of spooky fuckery from my own life to share with you. I had typed it out to share in the Facebook group after Johanna's father died, since this story involves the loss of my own father. But then I accidentally hit the back button and I couldn't summon the emotional energy to type it out again. I'm sure you know how it goes. In any case, it's hard to know where to begin, so I'll start with an ending. We lost my dad in May of 2013. He had been sick for about 7 years, first with cirrhosis, then liver cancer than throat and lung cancer. As you might guess based on this information, Dad was a heavy drinker and cigarette smoker for a very long time. Whatever his flaws, I love my dad very much and we were quite close even if we didn't always get along. He was a hero I look to for strength and guidance and especially now I often wish he was still here to talk about what's going on in the world. He spent 20 years in the army, worked in military intelligence during the cold war and had traveled extensively. He had a different perspective than a lot of the people around me growing up and we spent hours together talking about history and politics. Sometimes I would panic about some news story thinking the world was ending and he'd give me some quip about how it just wasn't that big of a deal and I always listened because I knew that he really did know what he was talking about. A few relevant facts. I was around six months pregnant with my first child at the time of my dad's death. Dad was excited to be a grandfather. We brought ultrasound photos to his hospital room to cheer him up and shared the name we had chosen. I had hoped because he had lived with this sickness for so long he would be able to see the baby, but unfortunately that isn't what happened. I know this was also upsetting to Dad because in his last days he told a hospital chaplain that his only regret in life was that he wouldn't meet his grandson, which was actually pretty comforting to hear because I think it's a mark of a well-lived life if one can make it to 65 with so few regrets i agree kate oh yeah Another relevant fact, although my dad usually smoked cigarettes, for many years he switched to smoking a pipe at Christmas time. I don't think pipes are very common anymore in the US, so not everyone might know this, but pipe tobacco and pipe smoke have a very different scent than cigarettes. The tobacco is pure and smells more earthly and rich. I find the smell of a pipe tobacco very pleasant in general, but specifically because it's tied to very happy memories with my dad. The scent of a pipe tobacco immediately takes me back to a place of warmth and comfort, made to feel even warmer and more comforting by its stark contrast to the cold and dark of the season. I am sitting at the foot of his chair next to the Christmas tree again, watching the twinkling lights. Shortly after Dad passed away we moved back in with my mom and stayed there with her until my son was a little over a year old. A few months later William was born. My husband and I were thrilled and very much in love with our new small human, but newborns are tough. Like all parents of tiny babies, we had some long nights and hard days. And that's when I started smelling the tobacco. I thought at first the scent must somehow be coming from the kitchen cabinet. For years, Dad kept his pipe and tobacco in a coffee can in one of the cabinets, and I thought maybe if the cabinet was being opened and closed, it could cause me to catch the scent in another room. But my mom told me she had purged the pipe long before because Dad hadn't smoked it in years. So then I thought... Well, maybe I'm having a stroke, because that seemed like the next most logical conclusion. And then I realized it was usually showing up at times when I was at home alone with the baby, so there was no possibility of someone opening a cabinet in another room. The smell has appeared many times since then. Often when I'm stressed or worried over things to do with children and usually when I'm alone with the kids and always when there's not an actual source of pipe tobacco nearby. So I've been figuring that the smell is dead, reaching out and letting me know that everything is going to be okay. He's still here, helping me put the world into perspective. I'm having goosebumps.
0: (sighs) I know, I am too.
1: Thanks for reading the novella which this became. I love the podcast and I'm definitely saying hi to my cats for you. (laughs) See you in the Facebook group, Kate. Kate. Thank you, Kate, especially for typing this twice. I know how draining this can be. Oh, so many times
0: when you lose something and you're like, never mind, <laughs> it's a sign from the universe, but I'm so glad you typed it again.
1: So your story reminds me of my grandfather, so my dad's dad. I had a very close relationship to my grandfather, especially when I was very little. So both my parents had to work. They were very young when I was born, so they had to work. So my grandfather would pick me up from kindergarten and take me home and cook for me every day. And he died 12 years ago. And every once in a while, out of nowhere, I can taste and almost smell my grandfather's food. And I never thought much of it. Usually I thought, okay, I'm just, I'm graving my grandfather's food, right? But I could really, I could taste it. Yeah. So I never thought much of it up until my dad died. And I started to read up on, you know... (laughs) near-death experiences, and the afterlife, mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. And so I read that taste and smell are supposed to be very strong signs by loved ones who have passed. So I talked to my mom about it. Uh, my parents have been divorced for over 20 years, and she didn't have any contact with her former father and mother-in-law anymore. So she told me, yeah, it's weird. A couple of years back, I dreamt of him, and in my dream, he was standing in the kitchen cooking, and he was so happy. Oh, that's
0: awesome. That's really, that's really nice. Yeah, I love the smell of pipe tobacco smoke. It's a definitely, I think that mm, pipe tobacco is the nicest, followed by cigars and cigarettes are probably the worst, even though I'm a former cigarette smoker and smelling one really makes me want one still. But yeah, I like cigar smoke because it reminds me of my grandpa. He died. Here's my mom's dad. He died right after my ninth birthday and the rest of my grandparents died before I was born. So yeah, Kate, I absolutely believe that your dad comes and watches over you with the kids. It mm. makes absolute sense to me. My dad was similar. He was psyops in the army and history degrees and it's that same ability to just really put stuff into perspective when you need it. God, I just I wanna like reach through the wormhole in Leon's living room to give you a hug. <laughs> I just, oh, that was a good one. Thanks, Kate. All right. So next up is a story by Robin. Robin, thank you. You sent me a couple of really good stories and I'm saving at least one of them for a future episode that it'll make sense to you later. So here's one of Robin's excellent stories. Uh, she says, hi Annie and Johanna My first husband and I bought a house About a year after we were married When we looked at the house, our realtor told us That the original owner still lived in the home With her adult children and grandchildren It was only after we closed That we learned the owner died in the house Although we were mad that this was not disclosed prior We loved the house enough to bury any thoughts Of ghost fuckery And we moved in (sighs) Over the eight years we lived there Several things happened that led me to regret burying those thoughts. Even though I could write a book about all the things that happened in the interest of time and my mental health, I will only share a couple. First, while pregnant with our second child, I was home alone doing some laundry on a Saturday afternoon. As I was putting clothes in the washer, I felt something yank on my shirt so hard it pulled me backwards. I spun around thinking it was my husband, but no one was there. The laundry room had a door to the backyard, so I ran out there screaming while running around in circles like an idiot. I finally came inside with my dog and wouldn't let him leave my side until my husband and two-year-old son got home. (laughs) Of course, the husband thought I wasn't imagining things, which only made me want to kill him in his sleep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> next it was the time we heard something akin to a semi truck smashing into the house my husband and i were watching roadhouse because patrick swayze roadhouse. yeah <laughs> i think we have that recorded i don't think paul's ever seen it i love it Yeah. After we had put our two little boys to bed, when we heard and felt something crash directly into the side of the house where the boys were asleep. After shatting ourselves, (laughs) we ran into the boys' room only to find them fast asleep. We then ran outside to find absolutely nothing around any part of the house or our street. It was totally unexplainable. Another moment of fuckery, I know, I know, another moment of fuckery was when I came home to find my large porcelain clock on the opposite side of the room where it had been hanging on the floor, leaning against a chair. My husband reasoned it fell off the wall, took a huge bounce, which propelled it 20 feet where it landed nicely (laughs) against the chair. Yes, he was an idiot. I was vindicated a few weeks later when Hubs came home and slammed the front door, which knocked the clock off the wall, it hit the floor, and shattered into a million pieces. This proved there was no way it would have bounced across the room. (laughs) Finally, there was the time I was home alone while my husband is at work. I was in the living room, about ready to collapse on the couch, because little boys are exhausting, when I heard shuffling in the hallway going to the bedrooms. As I was about to check it out, I heard a demon-like giggle, then literally a ton of little footsteps run down the hall. What the fuck? I ran into the boys' room, and once again saw that they were sleeping. I was suspicious, though, because sometimes those demon-like boys like to play jokes on mommy, so I stood there for a minute watching their breathing. Nope fast asleep. So takeaways from this story. One, never buy a house where someone died in it or your mental health will be forever affected. (laughs) Two, (laughs) vet your future husbands carefully so you don't marry a moron with zero logic. Poor guy. He was and still is an idiot, which is why I've been happily married to my second husband for almost 18 years now. (laughs) Love you both and we'll see you on Facebook, Robin. So, Robin. I love the name Robin. It's one of my favorite unisex names and everyone I know named Robin is awesome. So, yeah. Wow, Robin, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, A lot of the stuff you were talking about is stuff that I had also in St. Augustine, especially the crashing noises and things being moved, usually broken in our case. I'm definitely saving some of what you sent for future episodes. Mm. And I would say, though, that I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if somebody died in your house. I don't think that's – I think you just maybe had – I'm not sure. There was something bad in that house.
1: I mean, it's demon
0: giggles. It's the demon giggles are never good, but the, I don't think that's necessarily linked to the lady that died in your house because yeah. my house is like two hundred years old, right? So, well, there are ghosts, and all right, so mine's not the best example. So, <laughs> but I know people who have died at home, and it's been it's a lovely, peaceful, normal thing, and it's not scary. So, I think that's fine. I think it's just I don't know. Some houses have good vibes, some not so much. Like men. I'm sorry your husband was so dismissive of your experiences. <laughs> I know Paul is very skeptical, but I think he, I would say he believes, like what was the other story that we just read, Where I think he believes that I believe it. <laughs> but I also think he's trying mm. to rationalize his own experiences. Yeah. What do you think?
1: First husbands often can be idiots. That's why they're first husbands, right? <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine... My husband, my my great husband, my second husband, if we come home and a porcelain clock is on the other side of the room, gently resting, <laughs> honestly, he would think somebody's sending a message, like somebody's out to get us. Yeah, probably. That's how he thinks usually, right? I, he wouldn't, he's very skeptical. I mean, he changed also a little bit since my dad died. Yeah. Uh He agrees with the things that happened that they are... Hard to explain. You can't uh, explain them away exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he would think somebody had sent him a message.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Paul's the same way. He never believed that spirits just yeeted a clock off a wall and left it resting gently. <laughs> I don't know. It's... Who can say? It's the afterlife. Mm. Well, mm-hmm.
1: they have a lot of time, so maybe mm. sometimes they like to mess with us, right? Why not? I would, wouldn't you? <laughs> not... No, I think I would have other things to do. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. Alicia wrote the next story. Hi, ladies. Firstly, I love you guys. You make every Wednesday amazing. On to my story. This isn't so much creepy as touching. My grandfather and I were very close. He had the gift and was known in his village to be a seer and a healer. I suffer from chronic pain and he would instantly know when it was especially bad. Mm. He claimed he could see auras and I believe he did. He was an amazing man. He always said he wanted to have a great grandchild here in Canada. So he was from England and had several there. And I didn't have the heart to tell him my marriage was on the rocks. He passed away in 2008 before Christmas and shortly after that I got divorced. By 2011 I was engaged and pregnant. I had had a tough time getting pregnant and was worried I'd lose this baby. One day when I was around six weeks pregnant I decided to go for a drive that took me past the cemetery where he's buried. I was worrying about my pregnancy and all of a sudden my train of thought was interrupted and I heard his voice clear as day. It will be right, snot grass. That was my nickname from him and felt a hand grab the top of my head. I nearly crashed my car. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. That night, I was sitting in my living room and my fiancé said he was going to work. I hear work boots clumping across the floor upstairs. I'm pissed off because we don't wear shoes in the house, so I yell upstairs, Take off your damn shoes! (laughs) It continued, so I yelled again, I finally went upstairs and no one was there. I looked out my window and saw that the car was gone. My fiancé had already left. Until today, anytime I'm stressed or worried, I hear those footsteps or a hand on my head or arm. He always used to gently grab the top of my head or arm when he really wanted me to listen. I miss him so much still. For the record, I've had many psychiatric evaluations for my job and I'm mostly (laughs) sane. (laughs) Of course you are. I hope it brings you a little comfort that there's likely life after this world and love never dies. Love you guys. Alicia, thank you. You have no idea how much comfort these kind of stories are giving me and I think Annie, you as well, right? Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. I love these stories and no, I don't think there's anything wrong with you, psychiatrically speaking. So that's awesome. All right, we have another one, and this one has asked to remain anonymous, so we're going to honor that wish. Um, They write, Hi, Annie and Johanna. I wanted to share a true spooky story with you about something that happened to me when I was a hospice nurse that has changed the way I think about death and the afterlife. I was fairly new as a hospice nurse when I met Chuck. He was a young combat veteran who smoked like a chimney, drank like a fish, and cursed as much as I did. Like me, he was a loud liberal heathen tossed against his will into the Bible Belt. (laughs) Yeah, he's our people. We bonded pretty much immediately. I met him in September, and the doctors had told him he only had a few weeks left, but he said he was going to make it to Christmas because he didn't want his family to be sad during the holidays. His cancer was very advanced, and by the time it was diagnosed, and unlike all of my previous patients who had been elderly and almost eager to go to the the next chapter, Chuck was really afraid to die. He confided in me that he had done things he wasn't proud of, things he thought he might have to pay for in the afterlife. One night, he called me and asked me to bring the good shit because he was hurting bad. When I arrived, he was staring wide eyed at something I couldn't see. He was terrified, arguing intensely with this unseen thing and saying no, no, no. When I approached to put in the IV, he tossed it across the room and said the demons needed him to feel the pain. I held his hand for hours as he alternated between delirious fights with demons and brief episodes of fitful sleep. He began to vomit violently, and then suddenly he asked me to quit holding out and start the IV. I did, and he drifted off to sleep. As I drove home in the dark that night, I was pretty freaked out, imagining demons in all the shadows I saw. In the following days, Chuck got weaker and more exhausted. He wouldn't discuss the demons, saying he didn't want to scare anyone. On Christmas Eve, I got a call from Chuck's sister, asking me to come quickly. Chuck was actively dying, going in and out of consciousness. In a moment of lucidity, he laughed and told me he should have pledged to make it to St. Patrick's Day. A few hours after midnight, he was gone. I was absolutely devastated. I told my boss I wasn't cut out for this and put in my two weeks' notice a few days later. During those two weeks, I admitted a new patient, and halfway through the admission paperwork, I knew the patient was going to die very, very soon, so I did my best to make him comfortable. He was babbling incoherently, and his family told me it had started earlier that day as a very strange, intense conversation with someone they couldn't see. He doesn't know a Charles, but he's been talking to someone by that name. The pain meds must be making him delirious, they said. As I was saying goodbye to the patient and his family, the patient grabbed my arm, looked me in the eyes, and said, Chuck says he made the cut. He told me to tell you he is okay. I get chills even writing about this.
1: I get chills, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've got chills reading about it. Oof. I got into my car and cried and then laughed and then cried some more. Then I called my boss to say I wanted to keep going with this hospice thing a little longer. A few days ago, we learned that my bonus dad, we don't like saying stepdad and stepdaughter, <laughs> I get that, has pulmonary fibrosis and doesn't have much time left. Sorry. <clears throat> Even though I am heartbroken. I keep thinking of Chuck and it helps me so much to know that this life isn't the end. Thank you both so much for the podcast and especially for the openness about the losses you've both experienced. Lots of, lots of love. So, oh, yeah, that's, um, I just would really like to thank the hospice workers out there. Mm. We. I have more experience with that than I like and um I'm so grateful. So, yeah. Wow, good story.
1: I'm when you sent me that story because it's uh, the listener sent it to you and you forwarded it to me, it was I really needed that <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Like, there are harder days, and then you send me that story, and I cried, yeah. and I laughed too, and it was so uh, reassuring again. And I, what I love especially about it, so I'm, I'm a faithful Christian, right? I'm a Catholic, and um, for me, that helps me a lot during tough times. But I think in the end, it doesn't really matter what you believe in or don't believe in. I think the only thing that matters in the end is that you tried. Mm-hmm. To be a decent person. I agree. It's not about believing the right thing. It's not like only Christians are right or only Hindus are right. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And that's kind of why I'm agnostic. Yeah. Yeah. Like Philip, he's agnostic yeah. too. It doesn't matter what helps you through the day. That's right. And what supports you in, in your journey through this life and what keeps you on being as decent as a human being as you possibly can. Because we all make mistakes, obviously. Chuck made mistakes, but he made the cut, and I love that. Really, I do.
0: I did too. Yeah. No, I agree completely.
1: All right. So I think Annie and I both should tell a story as well, right? I've stopped crying now. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's mine. Yeah. Okay. First, I want to say that, yes, because of my dad's death, I started to think of ghosts a little bit differently. So as I said, I was always a faithful Christian, a Catholic, and that does help me a lot. But still, after you experience loss, especially loss of someone that was so important to you, you... You're looking for signs and reassurance that someone is not just gone. Yeah. You know, that there is more, that it's just not over.
0: And I think also you want, it's, it's also the, for me, and I don't know if it was the same for you, but very much went from being ghosts are a scary thing to this person I love might be, if you know what I mean? And all yeah. of a sudden yeah, it's yeah. not really scary anymore. And it's, yeah. it's interesting. And you can think of it as ghosts are just people too, right? There's good ones and bad ones yeah. and yeah
1: and it's also this for me it was mostly i wanted to know that he's okay yeah like that's the only thing i was and that's why i told the story about the sign he sent me with the song mm-hmm. and uh i also had a, a dream where i could say goodbye and i i didn't i mean it was fine i could say goodbye but it was very painful yeah. and, and hard to say goodbye i know whatever so um the story so i mentioned before my parents have been divorced for over 20 years But my mom had always kept golden earrings that my dad had gifted to her decades ago. And after my dad had passed, I think it was a week or two after his funeral, my mom was invited to a birthday party and she decided to wear my dad's earrings, I guess, to honor him or she was sentimental or... Because in all those years, they had been divorced. She wore them only a handful of times. So these earrings, Annie, I sent you a picture in the video, right? These mm-hmm. earrings are, they are hoop earrings. They are very light. They're not really big, maybe like the size of a two euro coin. And they close by snapping the part that goes through your, I hope I can explain this correctly. So the part that goes through your earlobe into, into the fixture, you snap it in, right? Yeah. And it very clearly makes a click. And then it's completely secure. It's like a tight Y-shaped receptacle, and you have to pop it through, so it snaps yeah. and locks it into exactly. the Exactly, And it clicks, Yeah, and it's locked, and you can't open it by accident. You definitely need some light force to open them back up again, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no bending. That, some earrings, you have to bend the wire part a little bit, and that puts a little bit of, of tension on it, but there is no bending involved. There's no pressure mm-hmm. on any part of the earring when you wear them. So, my mom goes to this party and she's sitting at a table with some colleagues and she was looking down at her phone, typing a message, I think, and her handbag is next to her on the floor. I hope you can all imagine the setup, right? All of a sudden, she hears a ping sound on the middle of the table in front of her. Like, I'd say half a meter in front of her. And she looks up and she's mildly annoyed because she thinks that one of her colleagues has tried to shoot her with a beer bottle cap. (laughs) She's like, why did you just try to shoot me with a cap to the guy who sits across from her at the table? And he's like, what? I didn't. It was your earring. (laughs) My mom's like, what? My earring. And she checks and indeed one of her earrings is missing. And she looks for it on the floor and can't find it. And all of a sudden she sees something shiny in her purse. So this securely closed earring was catapulted out of her earlobe without her feeling anything. It's crazy. And it hits the table with so much force that it bounces back into her direction and lands exactly in her purse that is standing on the floor next to her feet. How?
0: Mm -hmm. Like, how? Mm -hmm.
1: I personally, I didn't believe her at first. I told her for sure the earring just snapped open or it wasn't closed properly, right? But then it would have just fallen straight down or... Or it would have just been stuck in her ear. Right, because it's, yeah. Exactly, it would just be dangling there, yeah. Dangling loose, yeah. So I checked, of course, the earrings, and there's just no way. There's no way. Yeah. You know when they are closed, and they are closed.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely, 100%, that was your dad saying hello. I have no question in my mind, none at all. It's too many coincidences for it not to be a sign.
1: And it fits with my dad's character. Yeah. Like, to mess with her. Yeah, it's funny.
0: For sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's nice. I do. I think it's nice. All right. Yeah, I'm going to close with a spooky one. You ready? Yeah. I wrote it down so I'd remember. This happened at a theater where I was performing in a, uh, it was an opera that ran for like 12 weeks. And I'm going to change some of the names and minor details just for privacy, just because, yeah. All right. So we were in rehearsals for an opera and at the time I was in the seventh grade and my dad would drive me to rehearsals which were 40 minutes from where we lived and then he'd hang out with like work or a book or whatever in the audience seats and watch rehearsal and then drive us home. I'd do my homework backstage when I wasn't on and again, what a pain in the ass that must have been for my dad. He suggested on a whim I should audition for an opera I was like 12 and I was like yeah let's do it. I don't think either of us expected that they'd cast someone so young but dad was in the audience, and so were a number of other people, friends and family of other people involved in the production. There was the director, musical director, choreographer, all that jazz. And people would be dotted around the building, sitting in the wings, sitting in the balcony. You'd get to know them. They became familiar faces. The theater had a very, it's like a very spiritual vibe, and I'm not sure how else to explain it. It was an old building, more than 100 years old, originally built as a town hall. We had regular cast rehearsals, of course, at the Playhouse but we also had a series of rehearsals in a choreography space. So we arrived at the choreographer's space, which was part of their living space. And there were photos of the choreographer up with family, children, friends, productions. And one of my castmates in the show noticed one face that appeared over and over and over again in the photos. And the director and I were standing next to her and she said, oh, this must be the choreographer's daughter and that she'd seen the young lady up in the balcony like really frequently. And she was like, well, that makes sense. She must have come with the choreographer. Was she was she here because she thought they were like the same age and wanted to say hi and see if they had any common friends. And I think I noticed the color draining from our director's face before she did. And he took a deep breath and he looked at my castmate and just said in this very low sort of urgent voice, just promise me you won't say a word. That's the choreographer's daughter. She was killed in an accident five years ago. Oof. And I don't think anyone ever told the choreographer what had been seen. It's been over thirty years now, so I don't know that there's much point, but if I could go back and tell them I would. But mm. yeah. I have chills. I know. <clears throat> I still I still get the heebie jeebies when I think about it. But then mm. also it's kind of nice, right? It's nice to think that Of course, yeah. Her daughter comes by every so often yeah. just to see what she's doing and Yeah. It's sad. So, do we have something good to end this spookiest of
1: spooky weeks with? (laughs) My something good is just real quick. It's all of you. It's you, Annie, and it's our listeners out (laughs) there because since my dad died, I've I've said this sentence now so many times on this podcast and I'm sorry, but it has been like a major life event for me. So, since my dad died, there was so much empathy and sympathy and understanding and, and encouragement pouring into my direction from all of you out there, from, from people who experienced the same, from, I got so beautiful messages and they really helped me so much. Because it's difficult to talk to people who haven't experienced that yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? I do. I do.
1: So thank you for everybody who took, I didn't answer everybody. I know because it was also a very, it's draining. Yeah. But I read everything and everything meant. A lot to me. Thank you.
0: We always really appreciate your messages. We have the best yeah. listeners in the world, I think. On they're all over the world, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. No, you deserve it. What's yours? Well, again, I'm, mine's another one where it's like I say it all the time. But tomorrow, when this airs on Wednesday to the next day, the 29th, is my eighth wedding anniversary. And so maybe I say too often, but it's Paul it's, he's just my rock. I just feel very lucky, Mm. you know. I will, though, give you one recommendation and one thing to avoid. So the recommendation is one of my favorite spooky films, which you might I don't know if you like it or not, but The Others with the beautiful Mm. porcelain doll that is Nicole Kidman and The One to Avoid. So when my biological mom was here a few weeks ago, we recorded this film. I don't remember seeing anything about it. And it was called The Dead Don't Die. But it's got Bill Murray and Tilda Swindon. And it's like this epic cast. So I recorded it because I was like, this is going to be great. When we never got around to watching it. So I felt sort of bad. And then Paul and I watched it last night. And it is two hours of my life. I will never get back. (laughs) I read a I opened up IMDB and one of the reviews I read said, it was free, but I still want my money back. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that is that's an accurate review for how I feel about this. It had, it started out with almost a Fargo the TV show feel to it. So I was cautiously mm-hmm. optimistic that it was gonna be interesting and and smart and just funny. And it it was not any of those things. It was not
1: good. I didn't even bother. I heard very bad things about it. don't. Don't do it. It's, uh... But the others, as well as Sixth Sense, I think they show a really interesting... Side of things. ...idea of what it could be like. I don't want to spoil the others, but... No. I think it's a great, great way to explain things, right? I love the others. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's creepy.
1: It's creepy. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Whose turn is it to beg for reviews?
1: (laughs) I think it's (laughs) me. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much, everyone who's left a review. I think many people believe if you're outside of the US that we don't see your reviews because Apple, they divided up reviews from different countries, right?
0: Which is stupid. But we do.
1: We do see them all because we have a page where we can check and we read all of them. All of them. So Moose and me and Trisha and... All of you, we yeah. do see those reviews. We de- really do appreciate it. And if you like our podcast, just, um yeah, go to Apple, go to iTunes and... Yeah. Give us five stars, please. <laughs> <laughs> and other than leaving us
0: reviews, you know, other things you can do is, you know, you can share us on your own social media mm. or tell your friends that this is what you're listening to so they can find us. And then you can both talk about how people used to think sharks were poisonous. Um,
1: mention <laughs> us. That happened a lot lately that people said, oh, my friend recommended you to me. Yay. <laughs>
0: Good. So far I really like our listeners, so we'd like more of you, please. Like specifically yeah. more of our your you know
1: you know. Yeah, bring your friends.
0: Bring your friends, please. Please.
1: Also, if you're interested in our Patreon go to our webpage www.freshhellpodcast.com. There you find the link that brings you to our Patreon or you go to patreon.com and search for Fresh Hell Podcast and we will pop up. We have three tiers. We have uh, we have just released our second Patreon-only episode where we talk about time traveling <laughs> on a very scientific level. <laughs> Not <It's> deeply scientific. <laughs> all, all of our experience with time travel is pop culture only. Yeah. Yeah, please go check it out. We would love to have you there. I know my way around a flux capacitor. Yeah, and I think the the stories, (laughs) the stories itself, um, advertised our Facebook group very well today because they all mentioned our Facebook group. They do.
0: It's nice. It's nice. I do feel bad for the one guy that was like, "Hey, this is just there's a lot of memes in this page," and everyone was like, "Don't you listen to the show? They've told us what it's about," and he's like, "No, I don't listen to the show." I was like, listen, I didn't see this. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. I was laughing so hard because people were coming to our defense. And I was like, it's okay. It's a perfectly reasonable criticism that we don't actually, our our page is definitely more, um- we do talk about murder. People will post murdery stuff yeah. all the time and we-, we talk about it, but we also just post funny memes or funny videos or <laughs> things that bring us joy. And- I think it's
1: everything, everything, yeah, that people find interesting. It goes in the group. It's like Facebook with no politics.
0: Yeah, that's all it yes. is. <laughs> but it just made me laugh. I was like, it's okay. He's, he's got very reasonable, constructive criticism.
1: <laughs> I didn't see
0: this. It was the best. I'll have to find it and tag you. So if I could remember his name, I'd give him a shout out. But he doesn't listen, so it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> it's uh, a lot of memes. It's, it's fun. Memes. It's fun. We have a good time.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I need to go clean my house and uh, I think we're good for today. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. Tell your dogs, axolotls, guinea pigs, wallabies, squirrels, cats. Yeah. I forget the cats all the time. I'm sorry. Rats. Hamsters, mice, rats, snakes, <laughs> all the living creatures in your house. Yeah. Sharing your living space. <laughs> tell them hi. Tell them we love them.
0: Yeah very much um,
1: tell the spiders just hi <laughs> yeah
0: we don't love them but we
1: don't love them i'm sorry we
0: don't want to be rude <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: until next week if you're going through hell keep going Cheers. bye bye